How's everybody doing? So far, so good. Anybody just had a really bad day? Joy, you did? You did? It's a good day? We should pray for the people that had bad days, right? Anybody else have a bad day? Or maybe you say, well, I didn't really have a bad day, but I could sure use somebody praying for them. Something like that? That works? Okay, here, here's what we'll do. Uh, if you want somebody to pray for you, stand. You can do it. You can do it. Joy, you actually raised your hand. You've got to stand, Joy. You can't be reneging on us there. Anybody else? Okay. Um, some of you guys gather around them and um, put your arm around them, put your hand on their shoulder, hold their hand, stand nearby. <clears throat> Unless, hey, hey, everybody calm down. We're going to pray. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we, we lift you up, knowing that you're the king. And uh, knowing that uh, this is the day you made. Every day is the day you made. And uh, Lord, we, we've had so many ups and downs for so long. Lord, that uh, we just need you. Jesus, we just want you to breathe on us like you did the disciples. <clears throat> just breathe on us. And, and Lord, we, we receive your spirit right now. We make a conscious choice to receive your spirit. Fill us with your peace and your presence. God, consume us with you. And uh, everybody that uh, stood, Lord God, just wrap your arms around them. Don't, don't let them walk out of here without extremely uh, feeling your embrace in their heart and their mind and their spirit. And uh, Lord, whatever is, whatever is troubling and challenging, just chase it away. God, you're, you're big. You can take anything away from us right now. So Lord, do that. Take... take um, the bad day away, take the, the uncomfortableness, take the tension, the fear, the frustrations, the, the uh, anger, whatever it is that we've got, Lord, take it away and help us, to, help us just to receive your spirit and, and receive your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, so I'm going to be, uh, this Sunday I'm going to be talking about, um, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually switching gears. I've got the next three or four that I was going to be talking about having to do with the kingdom of God and everything, but I think this is an important part. And the reason is because at the end of the, at the, end of the, the last part of the message I spoke Sunday, um, I talked about that we, we've, we've still got to love everybody. We still have to love people. Even in the chaos and the craziness that is right now, we've still got to love people. And uh, God has been really working on me a lot over the last three or four months with this specific subject. I, I would say two months. Two months. Um, I, I didn't think I had an issue here. Um, I mean, I kind of, you know how it is, you know you got an issue, but you kind of push it to the back of your mind. And, you, and you're just, you're not really going to deal with it. But it's not real bad. That's what you tell yourself, that kind of thing. And the Holy Spirit really began convicting me, and I need to... Um, I need to walk, I have been walking through um, some, some issues of forgiveness and, 
and uh, just just forgiving, uh, forgiving. And so we're going to look at that this Sunday and probably next Sunday. Now, some of you are like, oh, good, I'm not coming. Um, guys, I, I, I've said this many times before. I really believe that unforgiveness is the number one biggest thing that hinders our Christian walk. And just is. And... Um, and um, John Bevere said in his book, I think it was A Bait of Satan, he said the number one issue within the church, not outside the church, but within the church is, um, is being offended, um, which, which leads to unforgiveness, which leads to bitterness, and, and we get offended. We get offended by whatever. Um, I catch myself doing that sometimes. I really have, I mean, 30 years of ministry, you build up a little bit of a thick skin, and, and you don't, um, I don't get offended like, like I used to. I really don't. I, I really do think, I don't know if it's callousness or just I don't care or whatever, but I just don't get offended like I used to. But then every now and then something comes along and broadsides me, catches me off guard from a, from a, a, a wrong place or a wrong moment in time or, or whatever the case is. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, man, my, my hackles are up and I'm upset and I'm angry and all this other stuff and... And um, I, I'll tell you something that just, I felt like an idiot just 15 minutes later. I didn't even tell my wife this, but we were driving to some restaurant, and, and this guy was tailgating her like crazy. And uh, she had mentioned two or three times, this guy's right on my bumper. And um, it's not exactly how she said it. But <laughs> and um, then when we were waiting on, trying to pull into a parking lot, and traffic's coming, and the guy behind her honked. Pull into the parking lot, and she pulls around to where we're going to uh, go eat. And the guy's following her around, and he, and he honks again as she's starting to turn. She, I don't think she heard the second one, but I did. <laughs> so she was going to drop me off so I'd go put our name in so we could go stand in the cold for 20 minutes. And uh, so I get out, and I'm, I'm irritated at this guy now. And I walk to the... He's by behind us, and I walk to the back of the car, and Lenny kind of pulls away, and I just stop and stood in front of his car, <laughs> stared at him. I just I didn't do anything. I just stared at him long enough for him to know, you could have been up there where my wife is, but you and I are having a moment right here. <laughs> That's exactly what a sixth grader would do. <laughs> right? That offense thing that so naturally happens to us, right? I'm going to be talking about that this weekend. I'm talking, I think, next weekend, too. I'm kind of, here's the way I do uh, some sermons. Not, not all. In fact, it's actually a small percentage. But um, when God's really working on me about something, I'll try to get it to you fairly quickly because I don't like to do this alone. <laughs> and especially if God's really convicting me, I want you to be convicted, too. I want you to feel horrible before you leave. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a caring pastor. That's who I am. So Revelation 21. Let's let's um, let's finish this up. You know, we're looking at this, and, and Jesus is bringing the new heavens and the new earth down. And again, what I said, I I, I want to say this again because I want this to sink in. This is kind of one of those things I can say, and at the moment you go, huh, and then we we'll keep moving so you don't process. I want you to process this. We, you know, we talk about revelation, right? This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This, this, um, uh, this whole book. Now, here's the thing. We always think about it from the context of this is Jesus is 
um, uh, revealing something to us. That's the revelation. Jesus is, is giving us um, the revelation. But what we're kind of subconsciously doing most of the time is we're, we're really saying, using, changing the word revelation, this is the story of Jesus, or this is the story of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, this is not going to be enough semantical difference, but, but I think you, you just got to go here with me. This is why I said last week, I really believe chapters 1 up to 19, or really, really, yeah, up to 19, is like the pre-revelation. And then you have uh, 20, 21, and 22, and to me, that's the revelation. Because it all kind of leads up to, now we see Jesus in the grandeur of who he is. Right, the completeness of who he is. It's, it's kind of like the same thing we do with... Um, Okay, the Old Testament, the story of the Old Testament is Jesus is coming, right? The story of the New Testament is Jesus is coming again. Now, now here's what we'll do. We, we kind of come up to the moment of the cross, and, uh, we, and, and you know, everything hinges on the cross, right? The, the Old Testament builds up to the cross, and the New Testament carries out. Except for there's a, a major flaw with that thinking, Without the resurrection, the cross is just one of the many thousands of Jewish people that were killed on a, on a piece of wood. It's, it's the resurrection of Jesus that, that seals and finalizes what Jesus did on the cross. And so you have to keep that together. And we kind of do the same thing in, in my head with Revelation. We put all the stuff of the story and we focus so much on all the things, all the the, the stuff and the details and the imagery and all the stuff of the Revelation, and, and we forget this is actually the story. This is the, this is the bow on the, the entire package of Christianity. This is the bow where Jesus says, now I'm going to show you that I'm in, in authority and in charge. I'm going to show you. You've been, at least up till now, we've been waiting 2,000 years for Jesus just to come slam his foot down on the earth and say, enough's enough. We've been waiting on that. It hasn't happened. I was really hoping it would happen around November 4th. But we, we've been waiting on this. And this, in this um, chapter 20, 21, 22, this is, the, this is when Jesus says, okay, enough's enough. Really, you could go back to the, to the, the Battle of Armageddon. But then we have the millennial reign, and then, the, and then Satan is let loose a little bit at the end of the millennial reign. I, I like the fact that when we get into 20, 21, and 22, he binds up Satan and says, you're done. This is the end of the story of you messing with my people. This is, this is it. You've got to quit messing with them mentally, emotionally, physically, spirit. You've got to stop messing with them. And so this is where we're coming into this. And when we see this, the new heavens and the new earth start coming down. Do you realize the moment of that? The, 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 the excitement of that moment? When finally we realize we're here. We finally made it. To me, it's kind of like those um, scenes, and, 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 and nobody does it better than the original Star Wars trilogy, when after the big battle, they're all standing on the steps, and you know, you've got all your key people in the middle, and, and then they start walking up, and the soldiers are all lined up, and there's just something, you know, the music, uh, John Williams just does an amazing job with the, with the music, everything is happening, and, it, and you see this big grand scheme. Uh, of everybody together. It's, it's that kind of moment, but then transcended a thousand million times. We finally see what Jesus had originally designed all of this to look like when we messed it up in the garden. 
We finally get to see it. This is what he had planned on. So <clears throat> we're looking at that. Now we're going to go to the, as I mentioned last week, we're going to go to, there's some, <clears throat> there's some uh, judgment stuff going on here too. And so we're starting in verse 8 of Revelation 21. <clears throat> it says, but cowards, I, 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 that's always been an interesting word for me there, that, that the Lord adds that in. All of the rest of this list, you go, oh yeah, that makes sense. But cowards, I, I, um, <clears throat> I think I've told you guys this before, but this is a great read if you're interested. Um, Bill Bennett used to be the Secretary of Education or something like that. Bill Bennett wrote um, <clears throat> like a Fox's Book of Martyrs second or two, revisited, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and he talks about something, because Fox's Book of Martyrs, has, does anybody not know what Fox's Book of Martyrs is? Anybody? It's a book that um, goes back to, uh, it starts at around um, 100 years uh, after the cross, maybe 150, right in that time frame, and it goes up for a few hundred years after that. And Fox um, records all the people, many stories of people being martyred, Okay? Um, guys, I would strongly suggest you read that, okay? Uh, Christians need to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It puts perspective on stuff like you wouldn't believe, okay? Um, it, you won't like much of it because it, it goes into great detail about how they're martyred, what they did to them, um, and Why? You know, why, you know why all these people were killed, right? Because they served Jesus. That's why they were killed, because they served Jesus. And <clears throat> as you get a little bit further toward the end, the people doing the killing is the church. The church is killing the Christians because they're reading the Bible and crazy stuff like that. The church is killing the Christians. Now, now, you guys understand, obviously, that's not the real church. That's not the body of Christ. That's not the kingdom of God. That's the, that's the um, to use the same term I've been using for months now, that's the above-ground church. That's the, that's the governmentally accepted church. Um, and at that point, it was actually more than governmentally accepted. They were, they were trying to get power over uh, the government. <clears throat> That's, you know, that's why King James wrote the King James Bible, right? Had the King James Bible translated. He didn't have this deep desire to make sure that everybody got the Bible. He knew if he got the Bible into as many hands as possible, that the people would overthrow the church. And he didn't like the power that the Pope had. And so he did it for totally selfish reasons, but it's cool how God will use that. And so we see this. Well, then Bill Bennett comes along and he, he, writes, he, he writes another like part two of the Fox Book of Martyrs. <clears throat> and one of the things he addresses in there is uh, right around 200 um, AD, the, uh, the, the church was having this major problem. See, when we read Fox's Book of Martyrs, we assume that all the church, I, had, I guess I just had done this myself. Maybe you haven't. I just kind of assumed that the church was standing strong, all of the church, in a solidarity together. And then Bill Bennett brings up all of this historical stuff, these documents showing that one of the biggest issues and concerns the church had 200 to 250 years after the resurrection was uh, some people were being martyred, 
Some people were um, just being killed, like Nero would, would use them as torches at night. You guys know some of that stuff? But then some of these Christians recanted. And the church was struggling with, what do we do after they recant? Do we let them come back to church? I mean, that's a big, that's a big theological issue. We understand there's grace. We understand this. But we also know that there's scripture that says, if you deny me before um, the world, I'll deny you before the Father. And those are heavy scriptures. And so I, I've thought about this, and, and, um, <clears throat> and you guys have, have heard me saying this quite a bit, that, that I really believe that this whole, this whole last year, 2020, was, was, a, was a parting, a separation um, in the church, where we've really seen people that really love God and want to pursue God, we've seen them go after um, getting together and pursuing God and things like that. And then there's this other part of the church that their church closed down for nine months, and so they just never went anywhere. I'm like, you didn't even try to go to another church? You didn't even do anything? Well, we watched online a few times. I mean, that, I've heard that exact story. That's exactly the way it was said to me. So for nine, ten months, you just didn't do anything? Nah. We're waiting for our church to open back up. There's something wrong with that, guys. There's something wrong with that. Now, I know that there is this separation. Plus, you've got the part of the church that is really strongly pushing toward the things that are, that are very ungodly. Um, really pushing toward the uh, being pro-abortion. I, 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 guys, I, I cannot reconcile that. I cannot reconcile as a Christian, with, with Jesus in your heart and the Holy Spirit actively involved in you, that you can be um, pro-murdering babies. I, I just, I can't reconcile that. Okay? Um, and then the push. I just saw today the Secretary of State, the new Secretary of State has made a, this, this is his strongest stance, okay? Think about the job of the Secretary of State, right? Uh, the new te- Secretary of State said one, that his highest priority will be embracing the LGBT community. That, do you know what the Secretary of State does? Because it ain't that. That's not anywhere in the job purview. It's not even going to come up unless you change it and make that the job, which obviously that's what he's saying he's going to do. Well, that, that actually is the major push. I know that's kind of a funny way to say that, but you understand that the major push right now is to try to get the LGBT uh, mentality overseas and be able to embrace that mentality overseas, okay? Um, we uh, strongly pushing into Turkey and places like that with an LGBT mentality. In, 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 in um, cultures that don't naturally embrace this. They have to go against the culture to... And do this, but what they've said, this actually started a while back, though. The, the language Congress was talking about this. Uh, we will cut all funds to your country unless you go by our LGBT community uh, cultural uh, social agenda. We'll cut your funds. Now, they won't cut the funds um, if, they're, if they're attacking us, sending uh, rockets against us, shooting at our people. They won't, they won't suspend money for that. 
But if you don't embrace our LGBT, we're going we're gonna to suspend funds to you. Guys, let's look it up. There's, there's dozens of articles about this. Okay? Now, here's, here's what I was talking about, about the separation. Okay? I was watching the, uh, many of you watched it because I got like 20 copies of it sent to me. Um, <clears throat> the um, the uh, Jack Hibbs, uh, Charlie Kirk uh, interview thing. Okay? Jack Hibbs is... is uh, one of the guys I've been paying attention to very closely since um, since COVID started, because literally within like a couple of months after churches shut down, he opened up. He was the first one that I know of personally across the country that opened up in California. Now, a few couple months after that, the more senior pastor in California, literally is just up the road from him. Uh, say it again, MacArthur. He, he opened up, and all the media talked about MacArthur, but Jack had opened up a couple months early, and he was actually getting the fight. The city was trying to shut him down, fining him, and do all this other stuff, okay? And he said something on that interview that I find very interesting. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to lean towards saying I, I think this is probably right, but I'm not sure yet. I'm still mulling it over in my spirit a little bit. I've said that there's already a separation, and we, two, we see two parts of the church now. We're already seeing it. Guys, you can just casually glance around and you see two. It's always been this way, but it hasn't been demarcated like this. Now we see uh, two separate kind of mentalities in church thinking. Um, I, 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 I still get um, people attacking me because of the stance on COVID, because of uh, stance on things like abortion and the political stuff and all those kind of things. Here's the thing. He said that 2021 will be the year that now that the line has kind of been drawn, I don't think it's been drawn as strongly as, as he thinks yet. This is part of the reason I hesitate. He says now that the line has been drawn, the churches that were cowards, that wouldn't stand up, didn't care, lazy, whatever category you put them in. The biggest for me is the fear. They were scared to death. They were scared to death of opening, not because of the protection of the people. In my opinion, I'm sure there were some, but I think they're more worried about the society and the political part of it, and the lawsuits, and everything else potentially that was going to happen. Now, I know some guys, because I've talked to them, um, that were really just very concerned they didn't want to get their people sick. Okay, I get that. Um, but at some point, you got to have the, the, the Holy Spirit speak. You're saying double masking is the only way we're going to be able to do this? How many masks is it going to take? The joke was the triple maskers are looking down on the double maskers, and that was the Babylon B. No, the double mask is a legitimate thing. Um, so here's the deal with this. Uh, Pastor Jack said, that sounds like a pirate, doesn't it? <laughs> Pastor Jack. Um, uh, Pastor Jack said that he thinks that the churches that never did stand up and just kept cowering and kept cowering, even if they opened later in the year a little bit, but they kept cowering and it was all about masking and distancing and all the different things. He said he thinks those churches will eventually just crumble and, and it'll, through 2021, they'll just crumble and, and go away. Okay, here's, here's my hesitancy with that. I don't think we've seen a strong enough line yet. I think we're going to have uh, some more persecution, and I think the church is going to be continued. He's saying like the persecution is over, and now we're seeing, I mean, not the persecution, but the, just the decision-making. I don't think we're past that yet, and this is why I hesitate. And I also don't think that they'll crumble and go away. 
No, that's my reasoning is in every country where the church has been shut down, any communist country, Marxist country, anything like that, there is always a church that the government props up as acceptable to the government. Okay, now, the way he said it was God's blessings and things like that. So, so in that aspect, I, I am leaning toward what he said. I think the line has been drawn in the sand, and I think many churches have shown themselves to who they really are, and I don't think God's hand is on them. Okay, that, that's more of the line that I, somebody said something. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. One, once, the, uh, once they finally make a decision and they say, um, we're not going to be this, we're not going to stand against the government, we're not going to do all this kind of stuff, um, I believe that they w- there will be some growth, and, and there's even going to be potential for government funding and things like that, like the PPP and stuff like that. And churches that really take a stand will, will uh, quickly not be eligible for these things all of a sudden, right? Okay. Yeah, I think, I do think they will, yeah, that when the government is finally done and has enough power and control that they're not worried about the people, which we're getting close to, they'll just do away with the 501c3 of churches, and churches won't be able to stay open. They just can't afford it. It's too, that's their tax-exempt status. It would just, see, our church doesn't pay taxes. We pay some taxes, like on fireworks and things like that, but we don't pay property taxes and things. Um, our property tax on this on this uh, corner of the hill is pretty is pretty expensive, if if we had to pay it. So, all right. So let's go back to this cowards. That's not normally in the list, right? So he's got to be talking about somebody. In my thinking, what we are starting to see in our country right now is the cowards mentality. I'm more I'm more scared of the government than I am Jesus. I'm more scared of. Uh, the financial side, the IRS, then I am Jesus. I'm more scared of these things than I am Jesus, right? Um, part of the reason I say that, guys, is we have, we have to always be checking ourselves with this. They, they, Satan will try to figure out where he can make you afraid. He's, he's going to... We, we see some of the things that happen. We see, like, the topical of some of this kind of stuff. We understand it. Um, <clears throat> Some, some of us have struggled with fear in here. Some of us haven't, that kind of thing. But then Satan does something else, and then different ones of us struggle with fear. And some of us don't. You understand what I'm saying? He's going to keep, he's going to keep poking and poking until he finds where your, um, um, your soft underbelly is. He's going he's to be looking for that. Okay, so, so what do we do? We always, always have to be standing up against fear. Satan uses fear to manipulate us. He uses fear to, to mess with us, to destroy us, to tear us down. Okay? Don't be scared of your government. Don't be scared of the IRS. Don't be scared of the, 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 the money. Don't be scared of, of any of this kind of stuff. Jesus is bigger, and he will see us through. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean, I, I don't know what 10 years from now is going to look like. It doesn't mean that, that we necessarily have the same quality of life that we have now. If you, if you can't at least mentally go there a little bit, Satan's going to, he's going to catch you off guard eventually. Because all of a sudden you're going to realize, wait a second, um, I, I don't have the same quality of life. I, I, I've been alive long enough to recognize those trends in America. I, I saw this. You know, <clears throat> I, was, I was talking to um, somebody about this. I think it was, I don't remember who it was. But 
if you'll notice, you can look at different times and trends and see how people think the next step is going to be, what the next step is going to look like or whatever in society. And you can do this in a lot of different ways. Take one aspect. <clears throat> a lot of the automobiles right now are coming out with um, much more horsepower, turbos, all that kind of stuff. Across the board, like every, every automaker has these superchargers in cars now. And guys, I, I, lived, I lived through the 70s and the early 80s when the goal was to get the smallest car with the smallest possible motor because, and, and, and if, you're not, if you're not at least about my age, you're not going to remember this, we would, we would sit in line to get gas sometimes for an hour. Anybody remember that? You would sit in line forever just to get gas. Yeah, and different, different cities were different. They had, you know, like they do watering here. You know, Tuesdays and Thursdays is, is a gas day, Monday, Wednesday, that kind of thing. Now, for, for you guys who are younger, you're like, what? We did this. Because why? Jimmy Carter. That's why. The, the oil embargoes, all of the stupidity that man did. He almost destroyed our country. He almost destroyed our country. Um, it took Ronald Reagan to bring us back out of that. And people go, you know, it's never done. We, guys, we've been there before. We're, we're literally the smallest, tiniest car. This is when Honda Civics came out. And they were, they were a one-person car with four seats. They were so tiny, so small. But it was a smaller motor and everything. Now we've got all these cars... And it's interesting to see within two years, I think you're going to start seeing the bigger motors and the turbos and everything go away. Because we're going to have to go back the other direction now. And the Keystone Pipeline and everything else, we're looking at, you know, six, seven, eight dollars, ten dollars a gallon for gas. Now, why am I saying all of that? We see all of these things that happen, and, and it's just like blind. We've got major chunks of our society that are completely blind to this stuff. I believe that the reason is spiritual first. It's not physical first. It's spiritual first. And we've got major chunks of the church that are going along with it. And they're just embracing it. They're just going with it. You, you can see these things. You can watch, watch what's being produced. Watch how it's being produced. And you'll know where, the economy, where they're expecting the economy to go. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, well, you know, you got to have a plan. you got to have a reason for being. All right, so verse 8, but cowards, unbelievers, unbelievers in, in what? Jesus, the Bible, unbelievers, that there is such a thing as right and wrong, and that the Bible establishes that. God is not concerned with what you think. He's given us the law. We've got to go by His Word. He doesn't care whether that offends people. This is His law. And we will be held accountable for it. The corrupt. Again, I know I keep coming back to this politically, but I'm still struggling. I'm still struggling with the mentality. Let me give you another side to this. The corruptness that we can completely corrupt and steal an election. Everybody in the country knows it. And one whole half of the aisle 
just pretends like it didn't happen because their guy got in. See, part of me with this is 